the new life of God the garden. You know, and growth is perfect. God says that it would be death. And we come and receive that death is both spiritual death, separation from God, the inability to relate to God and to want to live. But it would also be physical death. Adam would ultimately die his body would cease to live and he would die. He would know that the covenant situation was to refrain from eating the tree, from the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. That would be part of a reason that we have needed to make don't do that. And so we see that here in Genesis 2. Along with blessing and curse, each covenant comes along with a sign, a sign of the covenant. And so the sign that accompanies the covenant of creation was access to the tree of life. Adam had full access to the garden of Eden. I think it's probably a place that we see Eden happen. It's the beauty and the vision and its enjoyment. God helps us to walk with God and to walk with Eden. So, God, any part of us to imagine is the absolute nature of the garden of Eden. But the sign of the covenant promise was the tree of life. And as we know, Adam and Eve. That covenant, and they were to fell under the curse of the covenant, which is essentially the truth of the and they lost the sign of the covenant. They were barred from access to the tree of life. Because the God put a deeper there to guard him, and access to the tree of life. That leads us right into the next covenant. And what you'll notice is that as we do this diagram, most of the covenants happen right there in the first two chapters of Genesis. If you can recall way back when we started studying through the Bible, Genesis chapters 1 through 11 are foundational for understanding the rest of the story. The covenants, the several of these covenants happening in that section of Genesis 1 through 11, it further shows and highlights how important those chapters are to the Bible. But Genesis 2, the creation covenant is made. And then we see Genesis 3, and we call it Covenant of Redemption. Covenant of Redemption, and we see this in Genesis 3 15. Look there in your notes. This is a covenant of grace. The covenant of creation is a covenant of works. Adam had a role in upholding. But what we're going to see here is that God is going to say, I'm going to do all of the work. So look at Genesis chapter 3 in your Bible. This will be on the same page, and that's the page over. Adam and Eve have fallen into sin that speaking of the sin of knowledge of good and evil is a transgression of the covenant promise. And yes, even though they have sinned, even though they have rebelled, even though they have fallen under the covenant curses of Genesis 2, we find God in Genesis 3.15 promises that. Genesis 3.15, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking here because the things that he's having hardship, struggle, struggle. He's going to put enmity between Satan and the woman, between Satan's offspring and the woman's offspring. And then God says this, He shall bruise your head, he shall bruise his heel. Really, we can translate that. This, this, 
promised child is going to trust the expectation while Satan brings it to him. And so, in Genesis 3.15, we have what's called the first uh, proclamation of the gospel in the Bible. It's called the proto-gospel, the first gospel. God here in Genesis 3.15 makes a promise to save the entire here was that you can see that things will remain well. Adam breaks the promise, and then God makes a new promise in Genesis chapter 15, where he says, This is something I'm going to do. Now, notice, the Bible never says in Genesis 3 that Adam has anything to do with this promise to be kept. There's no stipulation put on any time for this covenant, and so this is a covenant of grace. There's a covenant of work. This is a covenant of grace that God says, I'm going to do all that is needed. And so, you have to know, this is what we call the Trinitarian covenant. That's a big word, and what that means is, this is a covenant made with the God. The God is one. It's one God in three persons, is what we see in God's life. The God is the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, God together. Work to save the to the to accomplish the redemption of a people. The point of the referred to throughout the rest of the pages of the Old Testament, places like Isaiah 49, Psalm chapter 2, Psalm 102, John chapter 5, and also in Revelation chapter 5. All of these are hearkening back to what God has planned to do. And we see that God Himself takes on the covenant obligation. Anytime a covenant is introduced, there's an obligation that follows. Going back to the beginning of marriage, a husband has an obligation to a wife has an obligation. But inside a covenant of grace, only God takes the obligation. The obligation is only God. They're all good. This covenant becomes the foundational piece, the central piece to understand that every other covenant of grace that follows. There will be one more covenant of work, many more covenants of grace, and if we don't understand that God has promised to save mankind all of his own, then the rest of them don't make sense. The end is that the last thing that the earth and the and the blessing is that God will redeem the people through a promise to Son. Because in Genesis 3, God makes the promise to me, I'm going to send a redeemer to you. So there will be a son of you from the battle The curse will be that faith is going to be judged. And so there's not a waiting period of the curse and ultimately the Satan's already fallen from the judgment. And the sign is that the enmity and strife between the woman's offspring and Satan's offspring. And because you and I live in, a, live in this world, we know that that strife, that struggle is going to be the future of the And so we see in Genesis 3 the covenant of redemption, the covenant of grace, what God promises is going to be. So, the next covenant comes along in Genesis chapter 9. As the children's people begin to multiply, they become 
Genesis chapter 9, we find God making a covenant with Noah. So right here in Genesis chapter 9, So if you got your Bible open, put open to Genesis chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 8, we read the words. Could have wiped out Adam right here. Just 
Bible tells us in chapter 6 that the world is wicked. I think again, we have a hard time imagining just how wicked the world was. The world was wicked. God could have wiped out the whole world here.
that God's priorities were accepted. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. So I know the God before me. Shall I make himself part of the meat and life of everything that is heaven above? For that is the meat and earth below, standing in the water under the earth. Shall I say the name of the Lord your God in vain? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, honor your father and mother. God makes this promise with the people of Israel at Sinai. And here we have the second major covenant of works. So if you see that most of the work you see is going to be going to Now here the Sinai covenant is the major biblical covenant of works. So get your notes there. The covenant that God makes with Israel at Sinai is the establishment of the Old Testament of all. Thank you. 
nothing they can do to undo this now. As we saw in our study of 1 and 2 Samuel, David gives God plenty of reasons to not fulfill them. They would fall into the school. They won't have a 15 year period of time that could be severely taken to be uncomfortable. God doesn't say to David, you can use your hand over the house until the summer starts to say, I'm going to do this. You see, something is happening here. Whereas the Messiah, God gives the responsibility of holiness to the people. God is now localizing that responsibility to the king. He continues to be the head of the people. As Adam was the federal head for all humanity, the king is now to be the head of the people of God. And so we see the blessing that flows from the covenant that God has to be established in the eternal kingdom. There will be a kingdom, there will be a throne, there will be a king. God is no perfect with him, because it came from him. And the son, the covenant son that God gives, is a son. It is going to be a son. A son that sits on his throne forever. Now we're back at the minute because I forgot the, the blessing and the curse of the son I can bring to the covenant. God gave the law, and the blessing of the law was. Possession of the Holy Land, possession of the promised land, protection from the enemy, rest from all of their labors. There was a curse in the law of breaking the law. Covenant to Abraham was a covenant of grace, was a curse. Promise made to David was a covenant of grace, but there was no curse. But the covenant made with the people of Israel at Sinai was a covenant of works, because God said, If you do not obey, there will be consequences. With the sign aspect, remember I studied in Exodus and Genesis and Deuteronomy, God says, If you obey, things will go well with you. If you disobey, things will go poorly. Like Deuteronomy chapter 30, God says, The law is not far off, so that you have to say, Hey, who's going to break this thing? God said, It's so close as can be. So the, the, the blessing was in the promised land, and the, the curse was being exiled from the land. God said, if you're not going to live in grace, if you're not going to be holy, if you're not going to be obedient to the law, then I will strip the land from you. You'll be exiled. And there's two signs that accompany Sinai covenant, which is the sign of circumcision, temptation, and Abraham. But there's also the second covenant sign, what is the sign of? So 
because of what happened here, having seen the same for the past. Something to our stuff that we do with God. We were just the human nature of our heart. So you see it on the first. The fun of the book of Titus is being the promise in Jeremiah, and you can use what you have to accept it, but it's not establishing the seal of the coming of the Lord. You see, that in this new covenant, Jesus picked up all the various things of the other covenant, and he turned things into one. He's the perfect act in the Testament tells us. He is the promise coming that God promises in the Testament for him. He is the salvation from the wrath of God that we see coming to us and know his heart. He is the blessing of the whole world that comes from the Abraham. He is the perfect fulfillment of the law from which it is. He is the eternal king of David that will sit on the throne forever. Jesus is the fulfillment of coming together, the culmination of the whole world. And so, this red line saying the law stops here. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. He tells us that Matthew chapter 5, the son of the law is fulfilled. That some people fulfill it. Do you know why he fulfilled it? Because we couldn't. The Old Testament is a testimony of that. Paul even says that if you remember in 1 Corinthians 10, he tells the story of numbers in the 12th chapter Texas. He says, I'm writing this to you so that you look back and remember, don't do that. And so the law is fulfilled in Jesus. No longer am I to relate to God based on my own work. I relate to God now based on His grace. And on the blue line indicating the kingship points to Jesus, but this doesn't stop. It goes on forever. In fact, if you remember chapter 7, God says that He's going to establish that for me forever. Because Jesus is the kingdom over God's people. Throughout their writings, the Old Testament prophets contrast the New Covenant and Jesus being the climax. Unlike this covenant, the covenant that Jesus made can't be broken because it's the sure to him. The New Covenant is what we see Jesus establishing in Matthew 26 when he sees the Lord's Supper. So this is a New Covenant made by blood. So when we, when we gather as a body and take communion, we're celebrating the new covenant. We're celebrating the fulfillment of all of the message of the Bible in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus guarantees that the covenant blessings will follow by taking on the curse of Jesus' grief, where Adam and Eve failed, by taking on the curses of the lawbreakers of the Sinai covenant. Why he died on the cross because he died on the cross as the one who broke the law. He died on the cross as the one who took it through and ate. We see that those who trust in Christ are no longer under the old covenant curse, but are free to enjoy the blessings and the forgiveness that we recognize. That's why Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, 521, that God made Jesus. So that if we do say we must become the righteousness of God, the law requires righteousness. And apart from Christ, I can never achieve righteousness. And so God, in His grace, has promised that through Christ, He would achieve righteousness for us. 